Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. And welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we talk about the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today, I'm very excited to have with us Dan Corbin, one of our newest instructors and just a huge product enthusiast, evangelist, good guy all around, and... He's going to talk to us about one of my favorite topics, and I think one of the things that's like one of the more fundamental concepts of what we teach and one of the most powerful tools when you put it into practice. So we're going to talk about positioning. But welcome, Dan. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is an area where I'm sure you and I, this might we might set records for how long this podcast goes on. <laughs> we'll have to like, you know, limit ourselves, but it's a fascinating topic and one that I think is really, really important for so many product leaders and so many companies that are trying to think about how can we get better? How can we better serve our customers, better reach our buyers and understand what can we do to not only help them, but drive our business forward? Absolutely. It's going to be a great conversation. And before we dive right in, for those who have not had the pleasure of being in a class with you, Dan, or working with you, give everybody that like little bit of background on Dan. Sure. So I've been, uh, you know, as you can probably imagine, I've been doing product management for quite a long time. I started as an engineer, moved into product management. I've worked at a variety of different companies in a variety of different industries, building all sorts of products. So I've worked at small size, like startups, mid-sized, large companies. There's different paths that you can take as a, as a product person. And I kind of go on more of the generalist route because I've always been fascinated by like, oh, that's an interesting space. Let me go solve that. I want to go work in that space. So what's been great is I've been able to take all of that diverse experience, bring it to Pragmatic and show how I've implemented all the different Pragmatic concepts at these various stops along my career and just share share what I've learned and also share all the, the mistakes I made along the way so that hopefully the people coming to Pragmatic don't make the same mistakes and kind of avoid some of the pitfalls that I kind of fell in over the years. Absolutely. Do what I say, not what I've learned really hardly that didn't work. Yes, we've all got those. Yep. <laughs> those lessons that stay with you. All right. So let's let's dive into positioning documents. And I think one of the things like we've always referred to as positioning documents, a lot of people are are when they hear positioning, they're thinking mm -hmm. value statements and propositions, yep. an important piece. But let's talk about what we mean when we're talking about positioning in a positioning document. 
Yeah, so positioning is really about understanding who are your different personas, who are the people you're targeting, and what are the main problems that they're they're dealing with. So what the whole point of doing a positioning document is to be able to clearly and concisely say, who are we solving problems for? What are those particular problems? And why do those people care so much that we solve those problems for them? And my favorite thing about positioning is it drives alignment across the organization. And if you think about where product management sits in most organizations, we're we're like the, you know, if you think about the hub and spoke model, mm-hmm. we're in the middle and everything is kind of going, you know, you know, emanating from product management. So when you can have a clear and concise, succinct way of sharing out, this is who we're helping. These are the problems that we're solving. And this is why they care so much about it. And here is how we're going to solve their problems. It obviously can go a long way to gaining that alignment and making sure everyone is on the same page. Yeah, I was thinking of it as like the the one document to rule them all, right? In my yeah. little my, my uh, Lord of the Rings reference there, but <laughs> I, but I do because I think about it, it is a little bit bigger than a lot of people think about a positioning yeah. statement or value. Uh, at, and I also think one of the interesting things about positioning documents, and you talked about it, is all the things it can feed, yeah. right? It is a true north document, not just for products, which is super important, but mm-hmm. really can serve that purpose for the whole organization. Yep. Yep. And it's really, it's meant to be concise. It's one or two pages. So it isn't like you're, you know, pointing someone to a gigantic confluence page and say, go read these 17 different pages. Here it is. It's spelled out very succinctly in a very organized manner in a way that's easily consumable. So that way, if you're a product person, you want to make sure that your engineering teams knows, Mm -hmm. hey, what are the problems we're solving? If you want to go out and you know make sure you're aligned with sales to understand what are the big problems that, that people want. And if you want to make sure that you're coordinating with marketing about what are the themes that are going to resonate, you can look to the marketing or excuse me, to the positioning document to build and start to really generate that messaging. Right. It gets everyone aligned, right? From the executives all the way down. Yep. An excellent yep. point. All right. So let's talk a little bit about you kind of laid out, started to lay out the sort of the structure and what's in there, but like, let's walk them through what's in a positioning document. Okay, so typically what we do when we cover the the topic of positioning, both in our foundations class, where we we have a whole module on it, and then we really dive deep within our focus class. So we start in foundation, and then in focus, you really get to do some hands-on work. And what we typically do is we show you, all right, let's start with a positioning worksheet. So a positioning worksheet is a way to sum up what are the problems for this persona, what do they care most about, And then, all right, what is our uh, problem-oriented capabilities, which essentially is the ideal solution to that particular problem in the mind of the persona that you're targeting. And then once you have that, once you have the problems and your problem-oriented capability, then you can tie it back to the underlying features and technology. And one of the things that most companies struggle with is they start with the features, Mm -hmm. And that's where you start getting into really poor messaging. Because if you start with the features, your messaging ends up being a jargony restatement of the features themselves and is divorced from the problem that you're solving. So you don't want to start by talking about your technology. You always want to make sure you're working outside in and focusing on those customer problems. Once you have that initial worksheet, then you can start on the document itself. You're you're essentially like halfway through because the the positioning document, it's got five major sections to it. You have the problem. What is the problem for this particular persona? And the key with this section is, because as we've been talking about, it's an alignment document, you need to tap into the frustrations. 
Help the person who's reading this document understand why it's so frustrating that that person has to deal with these issues on a daily or weekly basis. So it generates empathy, which is a very powerful tool. After you articulate the problems that they're facing, then you can go into the solution section. In the solution section, it's not where you start talking about features and technology. You're not talking about the how. You're talking about what you're going to do to solve that particular problem. And when we work with people in our class, what we find is they naturally will start talking about specific features. And I work with them and say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take what you've written and we're going to build that next iteration. So I'm going to read what you just wrote, and then we're going to add on to the end so that the user can. What are the things, what is the value that you're delivering with this specific feature? It's only natural because we're working internally with our teams that we tend to gravitate towards the features, but it's really, you have to reorient uh, when you're talking about the solution to show the persona, the problems that you're solving for them. Let me pause there because those are the first two sections. I don't know if you want to kind of dive into either of those or if you want to do a quick overview of all five. Well, let's let's dive in. I think that's a great idea. And then I think uh, on the problems, for me, it's the most powerful part of the positioning yeah. document. It's really to help, as you said, everybody have empathy for the personas mm-hmm. and the frustration and really start to understand the power that we have if we can address those problems. I think you nailed it. I think the solution section is one of the toughest ones. The number of positioning documents I've seen where the solution sounds a lot like the product description section you're going to get to is uh, is pretty high. Um, And one of the things I always use, and I don't know if some of you do, I I always try to say that the solution should be in the market's language how they Mm -hmm. would describe the solution and not how we would. And I think that's one trick to go to. But the solution one is, it is tough. Yeah, it is funny because... You know, we have, you know, like internally people, you know, we always are willing to offer up like, hey, I think product, you should go and build this. And they like to kind of say like specifically, this is the functionality, but that isn't really how people talk. I think about some of the teams I was running at previous companies and when they went out and they were doing their Nahito visits, when they were able to really talk to those, those customers and those buyers And when they were able to incorporate some of that language from the Nahito visits, not only in describing the the frustrations that they've had, but also saying like, really, it would be ideal if I could just be able to do this easier. And that's the value that we really want to deliver, not, you know, hey, we're going to build this feature for you. Because again, that's not how people think. They think about how are you going to improve my day-to-day life? And you you kind of touched upon one of the other sections, the product description that's where you can start to go into the how. So after you do the problem and the solution section, then you can go down into the next area that we, we have people work on is the positioning statement, which is what is the one thing that you want to plant inside the mind of the persona about what that product, what our product is going to solve for them. So it needs to be short and sweet. We typically will refer to it as if your persona was driving down the highway at 65 miles an hour, what is the thing that you would put on the billboard? So obviously it needs to be short, sweet, and to the point. But this is a great exercise within an activity to help you really hone in, you know, what is that one thing that that's really going to connect with them? And to do that, you, you can't do that from an inside out perspective. You have to get out and talk to the people and understand and empathize with their problems to be able to create that problem statement. That's another area that people need to iterate on. Initially, when we work with people in the class, it tends to be a little bit verbose, 
But as they go through, and this is why we recommend that positioning be a collaborative exercise. It's not something you should do yourself. You want to bring that collective knowledge together. And collectively as a group, you can kind of polish that stone until you get to that positioning statement. You're like, yes, that is really what we want to convey. So then after the positioning statement, we get to the product description. And this is where you you can start to describe how you're going to solve their problem. And maybe this is a great area also to articulate why your solution and your product is better than the competition and why they should you know care about you know how you're going about solving their problems better than anyone else. So I think it's super interesting, right? So we think about the problem solutions sec- section. I always say those should be in their words. When it yes. gets to the positioning statement, it should be in their language, right? It's a little yes. bit different. It's not necessarily reflecting exactly what you heard, but you're going to say the, you know, some people think of it as an elevator pitch. I know we say 25 mm-hmm. words or less, but it should be like half that. Just because. Yes. Yeah. Like it yep. should be very like, but it still needs to reflect their language. It needs for them to be like, oh my gosh, if you could do that, that would be amazing. Like that is, yeah. that is what you want them to say after the, they hear that, that statement. Oh, great. Sign me up. Right. And then the exactly. next one is the product description takes it the next level down. Yep. So it's almost like that product, the positioning statement draws them in, gets them excited and makes them want to learn about the product description. Too often, you know, teams flip it around and they always start with the, oh, here's our product description. But then it makes it harder for the end user to really make the connection. Okay, but wait, what problems are this solving? You're describing this, but help me understand the context here. So this is why I think the the positioning document, the order in which we do it is really, really important. Absolutely. And I, I think it was really interesting when you said on the product description, it's a great way to show yourself different from the competition, right? To think about how you stand up. And, yeah. and I never really thought about it like that. The one caution I would have for listeners too is that it's not like, we do it better. It's like, think about, right? Or yeah, we're the fastest. Yeah. Or the, it's like, really, what is it that are your distinctive competencies in this yep. space? What is it that they can't say about it? That you, Those yep. are the things you want to highlight. It's not necessarily like a comparable statement in my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. I could be wrong. But as much as like, these are the things I want to highlight because these are the things that no one else really does. Yeah. If your product description ends up kind of being like <laughs> sounding like a feature matrix, well, we have this feature, this feature, and right. this feature, as opposed to them who only have this and this, you've done it wrong. That's, that, that, <laughs> that is not, you know, there might be a time and place for that. Maybe on your website and maybe, but you first have to talk about the problems that you're solving for them and really capture that before you start diving into anything at that more granular level. Yeah. All right. Then we get to the last section. Yeah. And the last section is the most interesting. This is the problem-oriented capabilities. So I mentioned a little bit earlier that we have people when they come to class start on a positioning worksheet before they go to the positioning document and they build out those problem-oriented capabilities. So the problem-oriented capabilities are directly associated with the problems that you identified in the market that need to be solved. And this is where This is the big difference between the pragmatic approach to positioning and what we see from a lot of companies, because a lot of companies start with that that feature, but we're really honing in on that outside-in approach. What are the problems we're we're solving? And again, to your point, 
along the way in each of these different sections, we're using the language that the personas would use. We're using language that they recognize and they can relate to. So we want the same thing with the problem-oriented capabilities. Problem-oriented capabilities, we generally recommend that they are a short phrase or like a phrase or a short sentence. Sometimes you can get something like that there's, like a, you can even maybe use a, you know, a word like Netflix or Stabilitrack or WhisperSync. But it's really, it should be something that when your persona that you're targeting reads that, they can instantly say, yes, oh, I, I understand what that does for me. And I think this is one of those, so we're very, very clear that you don't start with features, but I think we're also really clear that you don't end with features, right? Mm-hmm. Problem-oriented capabilities aren't features, right? Right. But let's, can you flush that out for listeners where they're like, sure. how do sure. I do this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we often say that it's the antidote. It's the perfect solution in the mind of the users. The example that I often use in class is Amazon Unlimited with WhisperSync. Because I am someone who loves to read books and I love to listen to books. So I'm constantly, when I'm out walking my dogs, I'm listening to a book. If I have a, you know, a time to kill during the day, I'm picking up my Kindle. But my problem was I was always having to listen to different books that I was reading. There wasn't a way for me to kind of switch back and forth easily. But now with Amazon Unlimited with WhisperSync, So for example, I always, whenever I get in a plane, I immediately go to my Kindle and I read until I get to my destination. Now, when I land, I can close my Kindle. I can put it in my backpack. Hopefully I don't leave it in the airplane like I've done three different times. (laughs) I did it once and I was devastated, but like my husband rescued it. But I was like, no. I've done it so many times. But now I've, I've trained myself, make sure I put it back in my backpack. And what's great is that then I can pop in my AirPods and it knows exactly where I left off in that book. And then it'll start the audible narration of that book. So as I depart the plane, as I get my luggage, as I hop in my lift, as I go back to the hotel, I'm listening to book the entire time. So I'm still in the same book. Then when I get back to my hotel, I kind of unpack and I'm ready to switch back over to reading. Again, I'll take out my AirPods. And again, WhisperSync will know exactly where I left off in the book. and It'll move ahead in Kindle to pick me up that right from that spot. So it's great. I've been able to go get through more books this way. And it's, it's kind of nice not to have to do all that context switching. So that's an example of a problem-oriented capability. It solved my problem of being somebody who wants to be able to read or listen to the same book, depending on my situation. So rather than talk about, oh, well, we've got these underlying features. WhisperSync is based on these Qualcomm chips and these other technology. I don't care about that. I just want to know that I can, you know, listen or read depending on whatever I'm doing. So that's how we try to explain it. And again, this is something that might take a few iterations. But if you've been doing your Nihito visits and you've been familiarizing yourself with your personas, you're going to understand their language and you're going to be able to use, it's almost like you're developing that voice for them, which is why one of the reasons when we say when you're building out your persona, you actually include a quote because it's your job as the product person to really represent that person in this the positioning document and then be able to use that to represent them to the broader organization. It's taking like all my willpower right now not to Google WhisperSync because I am also <laughs> an avid reader and somehow did not and you know an unlimited Amazon Prime member from ever and didn't know it existed because it drives me nuts because I, I I'm not a multiple I don't like to read multiple books at once 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't like to listen to one and then read another. I just don't like it. And now you've solved my problem. So we're going to have to cut that. No, no. <laughs> I have to go. Uh, but I'm very excited. And I think though, it's, it's a great example because there's probably six or seven features of the, of Amazon that could work together. Oh yeah. To deliver that solution. Right. Yep. It's not one to one. And I think that's a, that's a great way of thinking of it too. Like it's not a feature does this, right. We're not talking about a whole list of features. It's the one problem they solve. Yep. The other thing I like to do at the end of the, of the positioning document process is go back, you read through your problem oriented capabilities, go back to that first paragraph you did, right. That Mm -hmm. the problem, the problem section and can you check off, right. Okay. Here's the main problem. How does it map? into. So it's a good checkpoint to kind of make sure that you're really solving the problems and talking about solving problems in those capabilities and not features. Yeah. You don't want to, you know, start off with, look at all these frustrations and then complete the next four sections and be like, but we haven't addressed those. So it's a great, I love that idea of circling back up and just, you know, checking, Hey, have we addressed these? Are we going to be able to put this out there in a way that will get people excited? Yeah, absolutely. So now you've got you've got a document that clearly states who you're solving for, mm-hmm. the problems they have in their language, right? Absolutely. And then how how are the the sort of promise of our product, right? What are those solutions that we're delivering? And if you had, I mean, can you like imagine if everybody in your organization, when they're like, what does that product do? They gave you that same positioning statement. And they're like, oh, really? That's crazy. How? And like, if that kind of common understanding and language is really, really powerful. Absolutely. So I've mentioned the, the impact of driving alignment across your organization and how it's a real challenge. It can be a full time job for a product manager to get everybody on board. So it really is worth the time to utilize this tool to make your job easier. It's not only going to hone your own thinking and make sure that you have a clear understanding, but that you're in lockstep with sales, with marketing, with operations, and with your executives. So what's great about it is you can you can build it, you can socialize it, you can evangelize it, and you can keep referring it back to people because you don't want to set it and forget it. You want to be able to incorporate it throughout your work. And it is, having seen it, it work myself, it really is amazing. When you have that alignment, everybody, every part of your organization just starts to work together more effectively. And that's when you can really deliver results that your customers will love and really drive your business forward. It's it's an incredibly powerful tool. We say that positioning drives execution. And I think that that's the most succinct way of saying mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I think one thing that we haven't necessarily talked about, but what should for our listeners before we leave them, lead them astray is, Dan, do you just do one positioning document per product? Oh, you do not. No, 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 no. <laughs> You know, because you think about the different types of buyers and users that you're targeting. You can't speak to all of them in the same language. They're going to have different problems. So you need to speak to them in different in different languages and make sure that you're addressing their particular problems. So we recommend that you do a different positioning document for different personas for your product. That way you're going to get clarity about what problems you're solving across your user base and your, you know, the, the buyers that you're targeting. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think that's an important part too. And it's important because those problems that we're talking about up front are those problems specific to that persona, not everything you heard in the market specific to that persona. And the reason that it's so important is then when you're talking back at them with the statement, the description, the problem oriented capabilities, you're focused on the problems they have, not all the yep. problems that your solution solves. So that can seem overwhelming and intimidating, but you know, uh, it, it doesn't mean there aren't things that you reuse from one positioning document oh, to course, another. Yeah. Of course there is, but, but I think it's an important part of how you really start to, to sort of segment and build correctly and speak about and sell correctly yep. to do by the persona. Absolutely. So it's amazing positioning document. Who, who should do this? Who in my organization should I say, how come you haven't done one of these yet? <laughs> that this is, this, this is the part of positioning that I find most fascinating and I don't want to be too prescriptive to say like product management owns this, product marketing owns this. People ask me sometimes in class, who who owns this? Who works on the positioning? Is it product management, product marketing? Is it marketing? And my answer generally is yes. <laughs> and I try to, obviously I need to kind of explain from there. So in our foundation class, we encourage people to do a gap analysis where you go through and you identify who is responsible for each activity on the pragmatic framework. And positioning is one of them. It's the very, it's one at the top of the planning column. So that is a good place to start. If you're doing your gap analysis, you can have that discussion. But it's something that needs to, it needs to be a collaborative effort. Now, who eventually owns it? You know, that might be up for internal debate. It may, you may decide internally, this is gonna something that is gonna land within product marketing. Or, well, Maybe in your company, the product managers own all of the personas. So we're going to have them leverage and really take ownership of the positioning document. So I, I again, I guess I don't want to be too prescriptive, but you know, it's something that you you need to discuss. And I would probably say start with the gap analysis and go from there. And I'm sure that you've probably uh, seen areas where, you know what, maybe this is one way that you would divide up the labor and who decide who takes point on positioning. Maybe there's a division, maybe product marketing does positioning for the buyer personas and product management does the positioning for the user personas. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's fair. It's a question everyone asks. And I think it's a question that I've also had, in, I've seen enormous debate on. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think in an ideal world, product management and product marketing absolutely work on it together. I do think there's user and buyer, right? We always say the person who owns it is the one who understands the market the best. But mm -hmm. again, if you're talking user buyers, that ownership is going to change. I've seen that. I've also seen the, the sort of level of, so you want to do this early enough that it can serve, right? That positioning, as you said, drives execution. That means you're going to do early from a user's perspective and you could go, yep, great products products got its its finger on on the on the pulse there when we think about okay we also want to use this to drive execution from a go to market perspective yep speaking in giant generalizations of which everyone here listening is probably not uh, <laughs> doesn't fall in there but but you know when we talk about the language we want to craft and really starting to be a more polished language that mm -hmm. often is something where product marketing can assist in the polish before the handoffs to the go to market team so yep. yeah. uh, it's really why i think it's such a collaborative piece mm -hmm. but to your point there isn't a right answer, but someone has to own it. And here's exactly. like, if no one else, you look around and no one else in your organization is doing it, the right answer isn't to be like, why aren't they doing it? Do it. 
right? Call the meeting yourself, invite them in, explain the process that we're doing. This Mm -hmm. is not a place to just like watch things fall on the floor and be like, well, Dan said it was probably them. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, just to build off of that, the two things that I stress because I don't be prescriptive and try to, I don't give a specific answer, but the two things I do stress is number one, to your point, somebody needs to own it. And number two, you need to do positioning before you can do all of those go to marketing. And like, if you don't do positioning, your marketing messaging, the themes, the way that you're going to go out to market, your messaging is probably going to be off. It needs to be based off that really thorough understanding of the customers, of the personas that is fleshed out and really honed in the positioning document. I, I think when the positioning documents are, are really strong, you know, you will actually see the language from the positioning statements, the product descriptions and the product problem oriented capabilities mm-hmm. externally. You'll see it in the market. Absolutely. You'll talk about it. Right. But that's why there's there's kind of multiple steps in this, too. Like the first thing mm-hmm. is you got to make sure you understand what you're doing. Then we can work on the language. But and it's powerful, too, like way before I'm worried about how we're going to talk about it to marketing communications. I want to make sure that I know what we're solving because I can use this understanding of problems to prioritize where we're going to focus our development efforts. Yep. Like, yeah, we could build this product to do all these things, but let's really look at which ones the personas care about the most and make sure that those are done first, that they're maybe the deepest and strongest, right? Yep. So like it's, it's this can really be used to drive, as we've talked about, execution through every stage. Yep. And if you want to con- have that genuine connection in the market, in your marketing messages, if, if they're going to create that genuine connection, you need to do positioning first because that is going to give them the clarity that they need to make sure that the messaging resonates. Otherwise, you know, too often times we see companies, they fall back to buzzwords and jargons and those just ring hollow with the market. But if you speak directly about the specific problems that you're solving for people, that's what they're going to respond to. And that's how product people, we can help our marketing counterparts really make sure that they're hitting the target every time. Yeah. And I think, which is one of the things we talked about, we talked about this before we went on, that there's not a, a another place where there's not a crystal clear answer, but in terms of when you should do positioning, while we talked about it being really helpful for go-to-market language, do not wait to do positioning until you think you're ready for that handoff. Mm-hmm. This should be done before any development time is spent in this area, right? Before you've determined the prioritization and built your backlog and kind of set up the order, this has got to be done before any money, any deep money is invested in in kind of going forward. Totally agree. All right, Dan. So you, I know you've done positioning in your career. I know that you teach people too. Do you have any good stories of positioning successes or failures? So I do. You know, I was at one company where they were very, they, they'd been around for a very, very long time, but they had been more of a physical presence and they were becoming more of a technology company. And so we had more people kind of involved than ever before. So when we were bringing in a lot of people who were worked at tech companies and who had built mobile and web products and, you know, were really skilled in those areas. And we were working with people who were, you know, used to doing things face-to-face. We're out at the physical locations and things like that. We needed a way to drive alignment. We needed to make sure that everybody was on the same page. So what we found was we needed to really leverage our positioning. So it not only helped the 
people on the tech side and the engineers and the product managers understand and empathize with the end users more and the buyers, but it also helped the larger organization understand as we were building out these new tech products, which were you know pretty foreign to a lot of the, especially even the, the leaders of the company, we were really operating in a new space for them. But when we showed them about what problems we were solving, why people cared, how we were going to go about solving that, and what was you know some of the problem-oriented capabilities, it brought people from very distinct backgrounds all on the same page. And it got us speaking the language and got everybody adopting that outside-in approach. So regardless of the fact that we all had very diverse backgrounds and very different skill sets, when it went to solve the problems for the people that mattered most, our customers, everybody was on the same page. And that was probably the most powerful example I've seen of positioning because we really struggled at first because Mm. people, they didn't speak the same language. They didn't have the same backgrounds. They didn't have the same approaches. But when we use positioning, everyone was like, ah, yes. And it's everything kind of clicked together and it just, things became more efficient from there. In 2013, we repackaged all of the products here at Pragmatic and we spent hours and hours in this, like, it was like a fishbowl. It was like an all glass uh, (laughs) surrounded conference room, just like pacing around. I I pace when I'm thinking, right? Like working on those positioning documents. And it was like, it was great, but it was super painful. And it was just like, but like every other thing we, I mean, we, we reached changed everything about sort of all mm-hmm. of the packaging and positioning and product names and how we did things company. But those hours there, man, did they pay dividends, right? Because yeah. everything else after that was like, well, obviously we're just going to use that language we did there and we're going to execute this way. And you could yep. give it to multiple people and they could all go through there. And, you know, when you're touching every piece of it, it was the most powerful, you know, hours of <laughs> wearing out the rug that we yeah. ever did. And so it's, it's great. It not only helped drive execution, but it helps you get your daily step count up. Listen, extra bonus. It's not, it's not only, <laughs> not only for products, it's also a part of the health plan. So it's the pragmatic <laughs> fitness training that we talk about so very much. <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome. All right, Dan, we talked about lots of different things today. Yep. If you were going to have people do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Well, the two things I guess would divide into, all right, are you doing positioning or not? If you're not doing positioning, start. Yes. Be, be the catalyst at your company to start using this powerful tool and leverage all of the templates and worksheets that we give you to help you enable it to, to actually get this process done. Go to the Pragmatic Alumni Community. Look through, if you've been to the classes, you have the materials, you have the know-how, you can do it. And if you're already using oh, I just them- said, I would add in that, in the community, yep. there's mm-hmm. a lot of your peers list that have put examples. So for all you listeners <laughs> out there, you've got peer groups who've gone like, hey, this is my positioning statement. It's an amazing, you know, if you feel stuck, it's a great inspiration and of, of places to look. Yes, Absolutely. Those examples are really helpful too, because mm-hmm. it just, it gets your, your, your mind churning and thinking about, ah, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to implement that, that idea here as well. So if you're not doing it, get started. If you're using it already, make sure that it's having the impact that the, it, it's really living up to its potential. Make sure that you're socializing those positioning documents, that you're evangelizing on behalf of your personas, utilizing 
the great material that are in your positioning documents. So make sure that other people have them, are familiar with them, have access to them. Sometimes, again, I earlier I said, don't just set it and forget it. Make sure that it's part of your daily and weekly work so that it has that full potential that it can you know, bring to your business. And because when you get that alignment, things start to become easier. And that's really, you know, pro- doing product management hard enough. Same thing with product marketing. Use this tool to make your job easier. Great advice, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. As always, I can't wait to come back. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Rebecca. I always learn something new and I just have a lot of fun. So this has been great. Yes. Ah, ditto. So we will definitely do this again. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 